Hello and welcome to The Film Angle. I'm Alex. And I'm Chris. And today we have, for the second time ever, a list. And today's list is going to be a Halloween spectacular special, a spooky Mm -hmm. special. We are doing our (laughs) top five Halloween films. We initially said top five horror films, but we thought... Horror is a strange genre that encompasses many things, and if you say Halloween, you can encompass even more things. So today is our yeah. top five Halloween films, um, but not an easy list to make, I don't think. No, I think we made it harder for ourselves by like making it specifically Halloween, which is my fault, you know. But I think, you know, there's oh, yeah. I, when I was constructing this list, I probably changed it around about ten times. And took things out, moved things in. It was it was yeah. sore. I mean, I, I I think I mentioned this last week. I almost like didn't go in so much because like I feel like I don't have a top five Halloween films. Like because mm. I, I watch like I never watch the same films every Halloween. I just want to watch new scary films every year. Um, like they're not. I would say maybe horror films aren't always the best to revisit sometimes because when you know what's coming, it makes it less scary. Yeah, and. I just wanted to pick five films that if I wanted to get like a, if I was holding like a Halloween film festival weekend, these are the Mm. five films that I would use just to kind of like showcase the, like how the genre has evolved, the different ways it can go. And just like, Ah. you know, like these are the five films that I would pick this week, you know, okay, I'd probably be a different five next week, but right now these are the five that I would pick this week to show somebody and be like, Halloween, so like baby. If, if an alien came down to Earth, you'd be like, oh, this is this thing called Halloween that we humans have on Earth here, and here's the five best movies that kind of sum it up. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I don't even know if it's the beginner guide. It's not even a beginner guide it's to beginner- Halloween. It's just like, <laughs> feel spooky. This will make yeah. you feel a bit spooky. I don't... Like, I think that's a different spooky. one again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if it was an alien that came down, I'd probably go more down the classic route, you know? Yeah. Yeah, is that weird? I don't know. It's a it's a weird list, but I I have a five. I don't <laughs> think they're in any particular order, but uh, you know we can go for it. What about you? How did you feel about the list? Yeah, I sort of slightly different approach. I kind of looked at it as like five movies that I absolutely adore, but probably have a different vibe. Yeah, they they all have their own sort of characteristic, and and I wouldn't say two are the same in terms of what they're going for. So um, yeah. So we're going to, it's a little bit of variation here. So, and and I've got some, and I've got some honorable mentions thrown in at the end because it was just so hard to, to narrow this time. Nice. Okay. Wicked. Well, uh, shall we, shall we start with number five? Do you, did you want to, did you want to let me know your number five film, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one is probably the one in this list that people may not recognize the most. It's, um, a Japanese film called House or Hasu, if you're Japanese. Um, this is a, a cult favorite of many film fans. I, I feel like, especially like when you go on Letterboxd, this is always like top 50 reviewed films, no matter what part of the year you're on. Like People keep rediscovering this classic because it's just so off the wall and strange and hypnotic and very musical and it's bright and vibrant and it just really captures the the quirky 70s feel that you get. I mean, it really personifies that in a way. Um, yeah, and 
this is a movie I love. It's a it's about a schoolgirl and six of her classmates who travel to her aunt's country home, um, which turns out to be pretty demonic and creepy and picks off the girls one by one at a time. And it is a lot of fun. I don't know if you've caught it before, Alex. I haven't, but it has always been on my list. And every now and then mm. it pops up on movie and I'm like, oh, I should really find some time to do this. I've heard the imagery is just kind of really weird and, oh, yeah. and, and is it quite extreme at times am i am i right in thinking extreme in what way in a gory way in a gory yeah i mean like it's it's i mean you only have to look at the poster the poster sums up the movie which is just this like crimson red um demonic cat so it kind of yeah. like that's kind of that kind of sums up the movie like there, there are parts of it where just gushing with red and blood and froze the kitchen sink get you sort of horror movie but um it's weird it's it's also quite funny and quirky and it's it's more it's an odd almost a feel-good movie in in an odd way because it, it's like watching a weird 70s um pop video <laughs> it, it, it's so strange and, and it's almost in this like surreal dreamscape nobody talks normally um it's kind of just like this odd world everything's a matte painting the backgrounds are all really super artificial and it's almost just like you've just taken inside the mind of a absolutely <laughs> creative 70s drug-fueled um genius for for an hour and a half but it is a really it's a fun ride and it holds up to revisits every time i watch it i'm like yeah i'm down for this like you know it doesn't matter when it is i could probably watch it like 10 times in a year and still get everything out of it it's it's a really good movie alex i think you'd really enjoy it it's definitely one to chill out with your buddies with um with a few beers get a pizza in or something you know it's one of those chill out movies oh nice nice i joe i thought it would maybe be less accessible for some reason um but you've you i think maybe that's why i've always put it to the side i was like oh Mm -hmm. am i gonna have to think a lot during this horror film oh no 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 um, it's really simple but but, yeah. but <laughs> no maybe maybe not but yeah that, 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 that sounds good that sounds good mm-hmm. and when you warning for anybody who watches it for the first time this there it uses like one piece of music as a motif for it, the whole movie um and just changes it. it has variations of it i swear if you do not have that chain stuck in your head by the end of it, and I mean, like, I was stuck in my head for months, and as soon as I think of the movie House, I, I it's it's like it's almost like a curse, um, <laughs> in a good way and a bad way. So, just warning to anybody who hasn't seen it before, it's gonna it's gonna get stuck in your head. Nice. Well, my number five film, uh, I'm gonna play it safe to begin with and go for one that maybe has a bit more, um is a bit more mainstream and a little bit more mm-hmm. kind of nostalgic. And my number five film is going to be Paranormal Activity. And I know some may turn their nose up at this, but I do believe that when Paranormal came, Paranormal Activity came out, it kind of hit me at that right age where it was kind of like, you know how the advertising was like, this is based on a true story. And you're at that age where you could just start seeing 15s and like you could go to the cinema with your friends and like it was a scary scary film and all that kind of stuff and then and i did go to the cinema with my friends to watch watch this one it was probably the first horror film i saw in the cinema and i must uh, yeah i must say i was absolutely petrified you know like it was Mm, it was a a scary scary film um you know and yes it's kind of sequels have kind of diluted the brand a bit and and it happens a lot with horror films like the 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 kind of mainstream once it goes mainstream, it just kind of, they just 
pelt you with a new one every year until you're just fed up of it. But as much as I'm probably fed up with the Paranormal Activity franchise now, um, at the time, this this first one was was something brilliant, and it was kind of utilizing the right technology at the time. Uh, if 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 you haven't heard of it, if you haven't seen it, it's basically a, a handheld, um, you know, handheld f- footage film. Mm, Is that what, yeah. uh, what do they call them? What do they call them? Find a found, footage? yeah, like found, yeah, yeah. that's it. There's a found footage film, mm. um, and basically kind of was using the kind of cameras that were available in 2007 when it came out. You know, like it was the start of GoPros and like f- you know cameras becoming more accessible to people and stuff like yeah. that. As like this couple are, are kind of filming in their house, um, trying to kind of catch this. Uh, you know, there's. I think I believe um, the girl in the relationship has had like a demon. She says a, a demon's been following her whole life, yeah. and um, and basically the, the the boyfriend is is trying to capture it on camera, which essentially he does, and it's it's creepy. It's really it really is. creepy, and you. It's also one of those films where. Um, you kind of find some sense of safety in 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 the light. So it would be a day <laughs> yeah, night cycle, and in the day you would be like, nothing scary is going to happen now. And then as soon as they turned it into night, and you'd have the night vision camera on, you were suddenly like clinging onto Ooh. your chair, just yeah. like, oh god, what's going to happen next? Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, this was a film that that truly did scare me, and I, and I think you know, take away the kind of baggage that the franchise that, that it's a franchise now and all that mm. kind of stuff. Um, at the time, this was a you know, this was quite a breakthrough and, and and kind of petrified a lot of people, including myself. You can't you can't really understate the fact that it was such a phenomenon. You yeah. know, I remember when it came out, and I, I it takes me right back. I remember being at a sleepover watching it for the first time, and there are about three of us. You know, none of the parents were home, and uh, I was in a stranger's house, and I was watching this, and I was probably about, you know, I'm I'm a couple of years um, junior of you, but I we were about twelve years old, I think, at the time, and I remember afterwards, and I can't remember any time after this. I don't, maybe it's a hit, hit, a maturity thing. I remember creeping upstairs by myself to go get go to the bathroom in his house, and it was pitch black, no lights on. And I was scared. I was scared of my wits. I remember like trying to get down the stairs as fast as I could. And I, it, it, you know, I'm not. I'm not um, gonna pretend. You know, uh, raise my nose up at this movie or anything. I think it did its job. It's really effective. I remember like the time lapse stuff where she's like just standing mm. over him, watching him sleep, and like you see hours pass. And it's done really, really effectively. I mean, like you know, he wouldn't be creeped out by that. And you got this no soundtrack really in existence. I remember from this movie, it's all just kind of like white noise, and you know, like you know, that that works on you as well. So it's yeah, it it is an effective movie, and I I appreciate the bravery of that choice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was um, so according to Wikipedia. Uh, it was obviously an independent film to begin with. It was shot for about fifteen thousand pounds before being mm. picked up by Paramount, who then threw a bunch of money at it in post production and kind of changed the ending. Um, mm. However, um, it was still a very kind of small budget on it, um, and it made one hundred ninety three point four million at the box office. And it is still, it is still the most profitable film based on re- based on return on investment. So there you go. See that's that's horror for you in general though, isn't it? Like, we you can make a pretty cheap movie, and you know it it can because it's so cheap and people really connect with it or really kind of sparks 
you know a generation you can you can they just continue to profit off it you know it even happened in the 90s when you have the vhs revolution and everything all the videotapes and everybody everybody was just buying these videotapes because of word of mouth and and you know, that's the power of the genre definitely definitely and it wasn't the first found footage film ever but i think it you know like your blair witch and stuff were were kind of the ones that that did something uh in that genre with it initially but it kind of it just it hit the right technology at the at the right time i think and really kind of made a statement but there you go that's my number five brilliant alex um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with something more conventional i'm sure every listener has heard of this film or you know probably i'd be very surprised if someone doesn't like this movie because it's kind of universally loved and it's a kubrick it's a stanley kubrick film and it is the shining uh, starring Jack Nicholson. So um, this was a movie, I don't know about you, I grew up on. Um, I know your parents were, were quite strict, probably rightly so, and <laughs> restricted your viewing as a, as a kid. But, you know, little Chris from about seven years old was watching these sort of movies every single every single year, even if it wasn't Halloween. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, Dad, can I watch this? And he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and then we yeah, should... I was definitely not watching The Shining at seven nine. Yeah, there was no way. I don't think. <laughs> oh, man, it's 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 a shame because it, it it you know when you're when you're that age or you know even when you get to about ten years old and you start to kind of be curious this sort of thing, all oh, these things really hit you in a way that unfortunately they don't hit you in adulthood. Um, yeah, no, those The Shining is a I think is a masterpiece still to this day. I I can watch this movie and peel the layers back and you're just watching you know one of the greatest artists uh, and directors and writers in filmmaking history just kind of go all out with one of the best central performances from um, a living actor I, I really think it really catches the tone when I think of The Shining I start to I get cold you know I, I think about that soundtrack of the of the blowing blizzard winds in the background there's no you know it's the hum for the whole movie that kind of gets right deep into your soul and all the evocative imagery that stays you know throughout the your years you know every time you go back to the movie you know you can you remember the movie shot for shot it's it's just so it's so evocative and and um without a doubt probably one of my favorite stephen king stories too so i you know i think it's um even though it's the one stephen king movie that he apparently really hated and i think he, he did i don't know like how he it, feels he? to this day i think yes. it was quite a um quite a change from what he'd written in the book so mm. i he even ended up making like a tv film didn't he where um I, I don't know if he ended up writing that or if he ended i don't think he ended up directing it did he but he he was very much yeah. more involved in the tv film that actually wasn't very good but did follow the book a bit more closely but yeah he was not a big fan of the shining he kind of i think um kubrick kind of stripped it down to its kind of bare essential like bare bones and was just like these are the things i want to focus on these are the things that kind of turn me on and i want to i want to <laughs> investigate that yeah but yeah but you're you know you can't oversimplify the genius in that movie though because you come away oh, no. you know i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it because it is you know you have to experience first time for the first for the you know for the first time you have to experience it firsthand and i come away with that movie you know, there's a lot of layers going on there for something that's so simple, and and you and it does make you think. And 
you know, the ending especially can, you know, if you haven't seen the ending before and you're not aware of the discourse around it, you haven't had a conversation with somebody about the ending before, you, you, it, it runs circles around your mind for, for a few weeks. And um, yeah, if anyone hasn't seen it, I'm always rushing to kind of have a first sit down with them and just kind of get their reaction. So yeah, The Shining was a really easy choice to put on my list. Nice. What about your number four, Alex? Uh, so my number four, I think I'm going to go for the 1972 film Sisters, uh, directed by Brian De Palma. Have you seen this film, Chris? I have not seen this film. You have not seen this film? Okay, it is. Uh, so this is where horror goes sometimes a different way, and you get kind of B-movie horror, and it gets corny. But I kind of love the corniness. And uh, Sisters is basically a film about um, a separated, conjoined twin uh, suspected of committing a, a brutal murder. And it's witnessed by like a newspaper reporter in New York. And mm. she kind of goes on this uh, mission to kind of find out what's going on um, and and who these sisters are and why one of them might have murdered somebody so it is um I, I don't want to go too much into it because it is one of those films that takes some pretty wild twists and turns um but it is it is absolutely brilliantly shot it, it it's mm. very bright in your face and it's brian de palma so he's very good at the the tension oh, yeah and he's very good at like bringing in these really unique shots it's the 70s uh, like we were speaking about with images last week a lot of zooms but also he does this thing where he split screens a lot of the shots so you'll have a shot uh so like i would the kind of clip that you can find on youtube is a, is a shot of the person who's just been murdered and he's kind of like still in you know in his dying desk crawling to the window and then that's one half of the screen, and then the other half of the screen is from the point of view of the reporter who is in the uh, like the apartments the other side, and she kind of sees his hand kind of going up against the the window as he's trying to like find some form of help at mm. all, and that's how she witnesses it. And there's a lot of these kind of split screenshots in the film, and they're really really well utilized. Um, right, but it's 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 one of those films that just gets wilder and wilder, and. Yes, by modern day standards, it's not that scary. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, <laughs> it's it's you know, creepy and it's weird and it's full of like really dodgy acting and 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 all kinds of stuff. And I, it's it's not very long. I think it's ninety minutes. Um, and I, and mm. I just had an absolute blast when I when I first watched this film, and it's it's stuck with me ever since. I, it's one of my favorite Brian De Palma films. I, I think he. It's it's just so quirky and, wow. and weird and, and and trashy, but in like a really good way. That's a that's a big statement. I I, I actually I'm I feel really bad because I actually even haven't even heard of that film, even though I'm I'm quite aware of Brian De Palma and his work. You know, Scarface and Carrie. Even like Carrie could have even made this list today, um, and he was really at the forefront of filmmaking in the 70s he was like a really like he was kind of shaking up the scene and a lot of people were kind of afraid of development because he was uh, a little bit out there um both off screen and on screen um no I, I definitely have to check that movie um that definitely sounds like up my wheelhouse and uh you said the it said the magic thing ninety minutes, <laughs> so um, <laughs> with busy working schedule at the minute that might be able I to think, squeeze that one in. 
it's one of those kind of like films like there, there's a lot of these kind of horror films in the 70s which are pretty much b movies but this one this one just really stuck with me i, I just i just you're kind of laughing uh yeah. but but with it in a way um mm-hmm. not laughing at it and, and maybe that's why it's not as well known uh a brian de palma film but um yeah i mean i, it's, I, I thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun um and according to wikipedia there is a remake of it from 2006 so uh I don't know if that's oh. any good, but uh, I I enjoyed the original a lot. Nice. Well, for my number three, if we're moving on, um, I decided to go for something a little bit more modern because I think it's very easy. You know, all the classics kind of solidify themselves in the 70s and 80s and in, in our psyche. And we, you know, like Christmas movies, a classic Christmas movies, we watch them every single year and, and we've put them in our sort of ruta. But um, I've decided to go for a bit more modern one that is, I think is already slid into the yearly cycle for a lot of people who love Halloween. And that is uh, the comedy film from New Zealand by Taika Waititi, What We Do in the Shadows. Nice. And yes. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm really eager to catch up with the TV show because because yeah. I, I, some people are saying that it's even better. And if that is... If that is truly the case, then, you know, I'm going to absolutely love it. Um, I remember What We Do in the Shadows came out in 2016. And um, I think it kind of was one of those movies that kind of built up its momentum as um, as a talked about classic. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the mockumentary scene. I love mockumentaries that come out of Australia and the uh, UK. Even like, you know, it's sort of not a mockumentary, but I like things like uh, Parks and Rec and, and The Office that come out of the US. It's just something that always tickles my funny bone. But I think it's something about Taika's sense of humor that is so, so dry. And uh, once, once you mix that with, you know, the silliness of vampires, and uh, there's a lot of nods to classic vampire movies in here. And it's just so on the cheap, and it just showcases Taika at his purest form. I still, I love Taika. I still don't think he has reached the heights that he reached in this original sort of, not his debut film, because he's done a few before that, but his sort of biggest um, initial hit that, you know, this, without what we do in the shadows, he probably would not have been in the Marvel scene. It's kind of what got him noticed, right? It pushed him into stardom, right? Like this was this was his big breakout. Like I don't I don't think I'd heard of Taika Waititi before this, and then afterwards mm. it was like, who is this guy? This is hilarious. And then we retroactively went back and watched his earlier movies, and then they became popular. You know, he kind of overnight became a success. And yeah, I just remember, you know, every time um, I went to a new friend's house or I went to a family member's house, he hadn't seen this movie. It was like the first thing I wanted to show them because I just wanted to watch, you know, probably not even watch the movie. I would just be staring at them, just trying to see what the reaction was. Um, Such a good film to show people. I I, I know I um I definitely showed M and then I, I showed my parents it and stuff like that. It was just one of those films. It's like, mm-hmm. this is funny. You're going to really enjoy this. Yeah, and and you come away with so many quotes that are, I'll prob- probably be saying until until my um, my grave. <laughs> to be honest, there's there's so many funny lines in this movie. Um, werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> yeah, no, it is it is a classic movie. Um, I would love to see Taika just go strip it back and go back to his roots here a little bit more. You know, revisit this or something, or you know, do a werewolf sequel or something because. Um, 
I, I think this is where he truly shined. And yeah, I'll be watching this movie for years to come. Uh, yeah, so my number three is going to be 2018's remake of Suspiria. Oh, yeah, and controversial. I, I, and this was I was umming and ahhing about this film on my list, and uh, so I decided to chuck it on over the weekend. Um, I'd actually had like the Blu-ray just um, just catching dust. In, in my cupboard for a while like I bought it a long time ago but never actually watched it I was like this is the time I'm, I'm umming and ahhing about it going on this list I'm, I'm going to chuck it on um, I remember really really liking it when I saw it in the cinema um, and I, mm. I was I was just as kind of infantilized by it um, watching it on the Blu-ray again it, it's one of those films that kind of feels sacrilegious in a way to even attempt to remake the original as it's so beloved by so many people uh, but, you know, you put it in the hands of a very, very, um, um, you know, brilliant director like Luca Guadagino. And yeah. um, it turns into a different thing. It's a completely different beast, I would say, to the original. Obviously, shares a lot of themes and stuff like that. But this almost, you know, Guadagino has kind of made an art film out of Suspiria, where Suspiria was very much a B-movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this is very much an art f- uh, well. I would say maybe original Suspiria is a B movie that is like almost breaking into the art scene. And yeah. this is an art film that's almost breaking into B movie. It's kind mm-hmm. of got some of the sensibilities, but also it's kind of like gorgeous and eerie. And it's, it is like this constant nightmare, this kind of, you know, uh, you know, set against the backdrop of kind of, um, of like divided Berlin and stuff like that. Um, and it's just eerie and creepy and it's got these incredible dance sequence in it, uh, sequences in it that kind of, um, are used to almost, they're almost like witches curses. The whole film is about, yeah. um, you know, whether these witches, uh, have, have kind of taken over a dance studio in Berlin and, um, it's, it's weird and gory and, and it's got yeah. some incredible, uh, performances from Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, who plays like three or four characters yes. in this. Um, Very like, well. It's really, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really out there in terms of how it goes about things. And Mia Goth, who's now kind of like finding fame in the, in the X films and Pearl and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just unsettling. Uh, mm. and then, um, a beautiful school, should I say as well? Radiohead's Tom, Tom uh, York, yeah, Tom York. So, um, yeah, and a and a this kind of eerie song that that follows a lot of the film, and uh, it's just I, I just there's something about it I can just kind of sink into it, and it's this eerie yes. nightmare, very unsettling, blood and gore. Oh, super unsettling, super unsettling. But yeah, it's just it's a different beast to the original. I think it just shows, um, you know. Mm. Yeah. You can go from B movie to art, and like you know, they kind of they can interchange each other in such strange ways with different different hands, and you know, it's it's not a it's not a slam against the original or anything like that. It's just this is just a different yeah. beast, but kind of it, it it's is it is deserved of the Suspiria name at the same time. It's it's interesting because I would say you have a lukewarm relationship um, with the original from our conversations that we've had in the past. And which which is interesting, you, know, you come and then you come out of the the remake. So like, I mean, but that's a testament to the remake because 
you know, how many remakes can we say that are completely different to the feeling? And this one's got more, way more of a political backdrop to it as well. He almost uses the the post-war landscape of Berlin as a, as a setting where the first movie, the original, was more just like a fantasy surrealist. You know, this could be set anywhere thing. You know, it's a, one of those bilingual movies where it's it's a multi-international cast. And it's it, the, the original is more just like watching a very eccentric, beautiful painting for for nearly two hours where this is a bit more thoughtful and and a bit more trying to get into the characters and, and there's some harrowing stuff laced in this movie and it's kind of kind of funny stuff too you know they're, they're, it, it plays around with it and i think that's that's testament to luca guadagnino as a as a filmmaker he's very playful and he likes to you know surprise us and he, he shakes it up every time and you know uh, it's one of the things that's really exciting about the movie Definitely. I don't think he's done a bad film, is he? I'm trying to think of his like filmography that mm, I've seen. I know. I'm really excited I, about his new one as well. I, Bones and All looks absolutely great. Yeah, he's definitely one of the kind of like most exciting directors working right now. And uh, mm-hmm. oh man, I would have loved a sequel to Call Me by Your Name. It's one of my favorite films, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen now with all the uh, Army Hammer stuff. It, it seems like it is on. absolutely dead in the water that sequel oh, is never going to happen such i know because it would have been great that. it would have been so good but the problem um, is though you've got to show you got to show that timothy chalamet is you know like 10 years older and that guy that guy's gonna look the same in 20 years i think he's still gonna look like a like a 10 year old <laughs> it's true it's true uh <laughs> yeah i mean maybe you you cast the army hammer roll and come back to come back to timothy chalamet in, in 10 years and do like a before sunrise kind of thing i don't know i don't know yeah um <laughs> or, but you know i'm I'm still happy we we, we get the original film because uh, I, I really do love that film mm-hmm. but yeah no I, I can't wait to see uh Bones and all. so to cut a long story short, if anybody hasn't seen any of either the original or the remake of suspiria you should definitely watch both because they're both yes great movies. 100%. 100%. Right, so this takes me on to my number two. I'm going to really mix it up a little bit here because, as you know, Alex, I really love animation and I always like to, on if I've, I'm ever doing a list like this, I like to tip my hat to animation. And um, oh, this is currently always on my yearly roster for Halloween films and Christmas, which is a big hint, Nightmare Before Christmas, directed by Henry Selleck. Um important to remember is directed by Henry Selleck because I think most people would generally assume that it's just a completely Tim Burton product. Um, although yeah. a lot of the imagery is an um, iconography that's laced in this movie is definitely, you know, comes from the mind of Tim Burton. We have to remember that Henry Selleck is a genius filmmaker and uh, he's the king of stop motion and he's, you know, he's the driving force behind this. So we need, need to, I need to go to point that a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. As soon as I hit it up, it's got such great, m- memorable musical numbers by Danny Elfman, who is just a genius. I mean, like you think that guy's done everything from The Simpsons to Spider-Man 2, you know, they, it, there's no end to that guy's talent. Um, I, I, last 10 years or so, maybe he hasn't been so fruitful, but um, for certainly for like a third year period, the guy was just hitting out biner after biner all the time. Um, yeah. yeah, so his, his sort of feeling mixed with Tim Burton and Selleck's um, vibe is really laced throughout all of Nightmare Before Christmas. It is really the showcase for why stop motion is such an art form. Um, it's only about 70 minutes long. It's not a super long movie, but it gets the, it gets in there and gets the job done. It is 
just a beautiful showcase of Halloween imagery. And it, and it holds up really well. I think it was made, it was towards the latter part of the 80s. It was 89 or 90 that it came out. And it's just really, it's only grown in popularity. You know, I remember walking around Disney World um, at Halloween time the other year in 2019. And half the people out there were just dressed up as like Sally or Jack Skellington. You know, everybody's got a lot of love for this. And it's almost like, it's, it feels, it's one of those things that feels like a franchise, even though it's only ever had one product come out of it. You know, it's it like kind of feels... The imagery is so iconic, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. every, like, even if you've not seen it, you know you know the image. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine people don't. It's such an iconic style. Yeah. I, I remember I had a VHS tape of a completely different movie as a kid. I'd never seen Nightmare Before Christmas before. And you remember when you used to open a VHS and then inside you'd see, like, a promotional poster for another movie? For another, like, and I remember it was Nightmare Before Christmas. And for years, I used to just stare at this poster as a little kid, going, like, I've never seen this movie, but I really want to see it. And then I used to, mm. I used to, like, yeah, I was looking forward to the day I did. Um, but yeah, it, it's great. And I, I sometimes, even if it's like summer and it's completely out of season, I'll hum, I'll be humming the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, musical numbers. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's great. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up with it again at the end of this month. Have you seen it before, Alex? Uh, yes, but it's not one of my kind of reoccurring films. I mm. saw it a very, I saw it a very long time ago, uh, so it it was a one and done for me. But uh, so I don't know if I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it, but I think it was one of those ones that I saw at school, and then I never kind of like picked up again. So it's kind of something I want to look at again. And obviously, I know the images, and you know, but I wouldn't say I can mm. hum the songs or anything like that. That's that's where. Um, that's where I don't. That's where you draw a line, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I draw the line. Uh, it's where I don't have the same nostalgia as you, I guess. A different setting and and maybe different expectations, but yeah, I remember thinking it was cool. So um, yeah, maybe one to stick on again. Number two for you, Alex. My number two is uh, *Malignant*. I am going for a, a, a very modern day uh, horror film. And it is probably the most recent horror film that really, really kind of struck a. Um, I don't know. I'm, it's no, exciting. It, it, it gets you pumped, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I, I, I was kind of like pumping my fists in the air at points <laughs> in this film. It's, it's one of those films that like presents itself as something really spooky, and then kind of turns into again that more kind of B movie corniness um mm. but in like a yeah, really definitely. really fun way and in a way it it you know i think it would be a really good double bill with sisters it shares a lot of it shares a lot of themes from sisters maybe maybe there's something about these films okay. that really um uh you know there's some kind of themes in there that really like just take my fancy i'm not sure what it is but uh i really enjoyed malignant and it was um directed by james one who's who's kind of a bit of a uh you know, a modern day horror dude, isn't he? Like he's, he's yeah. kind of, he directed Saw, he did the Conjuring films. These are kind of like very, I mean, I don't know if Saw's a well-regarded horror film, but it kicked off a, ma- a major franchise again. I think the first one is, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, um, but yeah, Malignant was just like this left field film for me that kind of came out of nowhere. The, uh, the trailer pitched it as one thing. The film itself is another um how to describe it um i know how to describe the last 
20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, Matrix-inspired final 20 minutes. Yeah, Again, it's... one of those films you don't want to spoil because it's just kind of like bonkers the route it goes down. Um, but it kind hey, of hits that um... giallo horror stuff again, doesn't it? It's kind of got a bit of that. Mm. It's very... It's very um... <sighs> He's... His, his, his camera shots, his cinematography is very fascinating. It's like, you know, when you go in your iPhone and if you like do the zoom out feature, it's like everything is shot in zoom out all the time. And it's got this like tunnel vision, you know, whenever you got the, there's a chase sequence. I remember in, in this movie, I only seen it the once, so I'm going off my memory here. But when they're going for this industrial area, it looks like, you know, it's all pipes and, and guttering and everything like that. And, it, and it's all like in the zoom out and you really get this, this fluidity of movement. Um, it's kind, you know, like a lot of the. It's very reminiscent of this the movie before. Was this movie before Aquaman? I think. Uh, no, it was after Aquaman. It, it was last year. It came out last year. No, sorry. I mean, was this after Aquaman? Is what I mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was after Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of that. He's very. He likes to be very playful with the with the with the camera. Um, it's just like in the Conjuring, where you get, you know, you 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 think you're going to watch a very like superficial, um, by the books movie, and then the camera moves in ways that you don't really expect it to. And it's kind of half the fun of it. He's very like creative. Yeah, and I think as well, like post the Conjuring, James Wan was like, just throw everything at the wall, throw everything because the Conjuring <laughs> is like a horror film on steroids. It, it's every trick yeah. in the book. Uh, on and it, because I guess the budget as well, it was just like everything's dialed up to eleven. And here again, mm. it's like I'm just going to throw everything at the wall and go crazy with this. Um, it's about a woman who has visions of of murders that are happening uh, in her city, um, whilst at the same time she has had this kind of voice in her head um, of a you know like a her her dead sister, right? Um, if I remember rightly, yeah. like there's videos of her, like the marketing for the film was very much like videos of her at a at her birthday saying, you know, like so and so is here right now, and you know, yeah, she doesn't like that you said that and stuff like that, like this really unnerving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's kind of one of those films. If you haven't seen it, like go out and watch it because you don't really want to be spoiled on the kind of weird direction it takes. Is I. <laughs> I've only seen it once, but I really want to see it again because I kind of like I was just so taken by it. I was so in love with how crazy it goes and it hits the B movie vibes, it hits the yeah, stilted performances. And yeah. Yeah, very stilted, but like in a really kind of endearing way. Oh yeah, um, no, you completely from the opening scene you get what it's doing. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, like I said, Sisters in this movie would be a would be a brilliant double bill, and maybe that's showing something about my like this list is showing the kind of horror I'm into. Something that's like a little mm. bit scary and a little bit funny and a little bit corny. Oh man, it's so hard. I really want to spoil the last act. The last act is like where it keeps you or it loses you, and it keeps me here. Uh, the last act you? is just it like really, me. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Um, if you replace Daniel Radcliffe at the ending with Keanu Reeves, is basically what happens here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that's a great pick, Alex. Um, no, good. It's very interesting. You're picking a lot more like modern ones, um, it, which I didn't think this list was going to go like. So that's uh, that's quite that's that's good. Um, I just wanted to get a mix. You know, it was like a a mix mm. of, of of films that have really like stuck with me. Um, 
there you go. Well, I, I think because it was so hard for me to narrow this list down, I am going to throw in, before I get to my number one, I am going to just throw in five little quick um, honourable mentions here because... And because it was, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about them all. I'm just going to listen. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, people do not want to listen to a 10 hour long po- podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm totally aware of that. Um, uh, but one of them was Suspiria, which you already mentioned. That was in my honorable mentions. I was really, and, but I was, I was leaning towards the original because I'm a big lover of the original. And even though yes, I'm are. a big, I'm a big lover of the remake too. They're both in my mind. They are both, worthy of a masterpiece status which is you know how many remakes and originals can you say that for so yes. it doesn't matter don't listen to me you know watch both of them they're, they're brilliant um i also went for john carpenter's the thing i it was really hard not to put in this um i actually only watched i'm sorry to say i only watched this movie last year for the first time and i felt stupid it. Dude, I felt stupid for never seeing this before. Mm. My mouth, my jaw was on the floor the whole way watching this movie. The body horror on here on display puts Cronenberg to shame. It is off the chain. It is crazy. You see some of the most deplorable things that can happen to a human body in this film. And it's it is both disgusting and cheer inducing. It is it is it's a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, Please, it's got our and it's got our man Keith David in there, so you you gotta watch it. <laughs> I was I was thinking of maybe watching it next week, so maybe maybe a future episode we can we can chat the thing. I I, I really want to see it, and I was I was thinking of trying to plan it in next week. No doubt, definitely get it fit in this Halloween season. Um, I'm gonna throw in because I like my musicals. I, we've already established that Little Shop of Horrors was a really hard one not to put on this list. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a big lover of this show. It's got um. It's got the lyricist Howard Ashman, who worked on this, who obviously did a lot of great work um, with Disney, with The Little Mermaid um, and Aladdin before he passed away. And I just I'm a sucker for that sort of like hero's journey um, musical. And it's such a nod to B movies of the 50s and 60s, too. And it's got that bebop sort of like feeling to it. Little Shop of Horrors is one of those ones. It's such a sweet film, and I always put a smile on my face. And Steve Martin playing the evil dentist in it is is one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Um, his music number, especially, it knocks you out of the park. Um, this uh, one is a bit of a nod. My last honorable honorable mention is a nod to my dad, and this is probably the horror movie I watched the most growing up. And was the hardest one to leave out of my list for sure. It was Dog Soldiers. Um, which is, if anyone hasn't seen it, is a very low budget British werewolf film, um, which centers on um a group of SAS, you know, um type um in- inventory that are going through Scotland on a training mission, and they are rudely interrupted by a pack of werewolves, and it is so good because it is low budget, and you feel the coldness of of those Scottish Highland woods. Um, it is so clever with its limitations. You know, most of this movie is just a bunch of werewolf heads on sticks that they very like cleverly edit and um, and work around. And it is such a good movie. It is like anytime I show anybody this, they have a really good time. And um, yeah, and I think Neil Marshall really showed talent with this film. And I still think to this day he never 
has made a film that even gets close to the heights of dog soldiers. Um, so yeah, it, it's a British cult classic and I thought I had a, you know, it was a really hard one to keep up my list, but if you haven't seen it, um, it's worth seeing. Nice. Nice. Uh, I mean, if uh, off the top of my head, if we're doing honorable mentions, Chris, I yeah, would maybe go for check it, man. in like, uh, I'd maybe, I would definitely check in the Saw films. Um, you know, oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I do have a little, little bit of love for them. Um, the, the Final Destination films are a lot of fun. I think they're great. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're know, a hit. Talking, yeah. talking about Cronenberg, you know, I'm thinking The Fly, if you could classify that as a Halloween-y horror film, the body horror mm-hmm. on that is, is, is excellent and a really, really kind of good story as well. Um, and then maybe some more modern stuff like Midsommar and The Witch and stuff like that. Like, those are all films I really, really love. Yeah. I Midsommar, nearly put Midsommar... Midsommar was definitely made, made my girlfriend Lauren's list. Uh, she's a big fan of that movie. So, yeah. I was really close to putting it on my list. I absolutely love that film. But I don't know if the summariness of it... Uh, I know what is, you mean. ...like puts me in a Halloween spirit. I don't know. It's like one of those horror films that actually doesn't work in Halloween, I don't think. Yeah. I watched that movie on New Year's Day. It was my first exposure to that. <laughs> so, uh, whenever it suits you, is fine. But yeah, I get what you mean. That's kind of what made me hesitant to sort of include it, too, because I do love that movie also. A, a summer slash spring scare, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Easter, go on, an Easter then. scare. <laughs> yeah. Take us to your number one. Right. Okay. Um, This was no question for me. This was one of those movies that got me through my teenage years. And I feel like a lot of people, this is like a pass, a rite of passage for them when they're teenagers and really um, awaken something inside them. And that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, um, have you seen it, first of all? I don't feel like you have. I haven't. No, haven't. I swear, I, no, I haven't. I haven't. It's on I Disney really Plus. I bad about it uh, because like. When I think about seeing it, I kind of want to watch it with a crowd because I've heard the kind of when you go watch a, a screening infamous, of it and yeah. you get the fans there and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and I, I just like when I see it, and I'm like, should I put this on? I'm like, do I want to watch this by myself? I, I almost <laughs> need to like be actively looking for the next time they do a big screen showing of it because it happens all the time. And it probably <laughs> is happening this Halloween in Bristol somewhere. Um yeah, I just I haven't got around to it. No. I, I I watched it like every week for six years by myself before I watched it with anybody. Um, <laughs> if that brings any, it's it's so ahead of its time. You know, it's 1975. This came out, and it's so forward thinking. And I imagine it was very provocative for the time in terms of its depiction of sexuality and openness and willing to like be yourself. The message of the movie is to be yourself. And be comfortable in your own skin, and um, to the tune of some of the most rocked seventies musical numbers you'll ever hear. You know, it, it's it's so fun, and and I think it's everybody who hasn't even seen the movie knows that Tim Curry's performance is up there as one of the most iconic performances, prop not even of the musical genre of of the twentieth century. You know, you you see him dressed in in the stockings and the cor- and the corset as Doctor Frankenfurter. And it's iconic, you know, it's it's up there with some of the most um, important imagery of, of the 20th century. Uh, I, I don't feel like I'm hyperbolizing when I say that he is 
and is one of the greatest performances too. And it it, is just one of those things that really stuck with me. It gave me a lot of self-confidence when I was a teenager, you know, to, to be different, um, to not kind of hold yourself, uh, in the same vein as everybody else because they're normal and it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, every time I watch it, I feel like it's, it, it gets me in the Halloween spirit. And also if you're a big film lover, you know, it, it really tips its hat to you because first and foremost, it is a love letter to the B movies of the fifties. The opening song is just a list of all the great B movies, like you know, Tarantula, the the attack of the uh, you know the the fifty foot woman, and it, it is just like it is complete love letter to those movies. And uh, yeah, it, it hits, it scratches all the right itches for me, and. Uh, it's it, it's it's great and i i hope you get around it one day i don't know if you'll love it as much as me but it's something that really struck a chord and still does yeah. to this day i think that maybe maybe that's why i've, I've put it off is because i because i didn't hit it like because i didn't watch it at that age where you can now look back and have the nostalgia and fondness it must i must feel like i'm too old for it now like, you know like i, I, I oh, maybe no way need, man i think maybe <laughs> next time you're around maybe you need to like force me to watch it or something okay <laughs> i can easily do it it's on it's it's, it's on disney plus in 4k baby you'll never see it in a better way so nice <laughs> it's a good time to watch yeah. it oh man um, uh, just yeah, for tim sounds... curry alone do yourself a yeah. favor just to watch tim curry just absolutely exude sexiness and confidence on screen it is awesome man nice nice so uh for my number one i think this is a We've got. I like. I was worried maybe that one or two of our films would cross over, but it hasn't at all. And uh, no. I did wonder whether you would put this one on, Chris. This was the one film I thought. Hmm. I wonder if we're on the same page here because it kind of hits two of the dramas that we really love the most, and it's just one of those films that I know we're both a very big fan of. Um, maybe it's controversial to even call this a horror film. I don't know. Alien is my number <sighs> one. Film. Yeah, but, I yeah. think it's the ultimate kind of horror film, and it's the ultimate film that makes you go, "You can do horror anywhere. You can put, uh, you know, the haunted house in space. Uh, you know, you can put the monster in space, and all this kind of stuff. You know, some might turn around and say, no, it's a, it's a sci-fi film.' But I, I think this is scarier than it is, uh, you know, scarier than most horror films." Um, mm. And it's just one of those kind of classic spooky monster in space. And it's pretty yeah. terrifying. Even even to this day, I think, you know, obviously it's a it's an older film, uh, nineteen seventy nine. Not not massively old, but you know, when you when you're putting it in you know, we were talking about how sisters with uh the modern day sensibilities might not be scary anymore, but nineteen seventy nine Alien. Seven years shy still... of being half a century old, you know. It's exactly. Uh... It's it's still terrifying to this day. Um, directed by Ridley Scott, and he's he is, is an absolute master at kind of creating the the terror and the horror and the and the you know the body horror that comes with it and all the all the crazy stuff. Um, hmm. You know, it might be the only good film in the franchise. Uh, it, oh, uh, no, no, oh no 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 no! Well, you love Aliens. I forgot you love Aliens. Yeah, I'm not as big yeah. on Aliens. <laughs> I'm not as big on aliens. I just love alien. I think I think it's 
Uh, yeah. I think it's an absolutely brilliant kind of scary film. But yeah, I did this ever cross your mind, Chris, or or, or was it too sci-fi? Maybe am I? Am, is this a controversial number okay. one for me? No, you're you're right to think in the way you did because I was definitely kind of in the mindset of Halloween, and I'm thinking. I don't know what like it's so loose what like what Halloween means to you right and what kind of fits in that mode but Alien didn't feel right for some reason but I will say that Alien I would probably say Alien is my favorite horror film of all time and that's and that's just it's just strange it just didn't feel right for this list but no man I'm completely with you Alien is I can talk forever about why Alien works as a masterpiece of um, of horror genre. It is, you know, it, it is the right choice from you. I, I respect that. It's great. I guess, uh, you know, that, that idea that I said about in with the list is like me trying to curate this idea, this film festival in my mind of, of Halloween films. And I almost like in my mm. mind, I was like, I want to showcase to the audiences of this fake film festival that, that horror can be uh, weird. Horror can be scary. Horror can be trashy, yeah. arty, and it could also be set in space. <laughs> you know, like it was just like <laughs> I wanted to like hit the different things. But um, yeah, I just yeah, I you know when you think scary films for me, I I can't think of anything you know much more scary. Oh, yeah, than when that movie when that movie starts and you hear that uh, that score just come on, um. It is just like it completely chills you to the bone. It makes you feel isolated in the title sequence. You know, you get the little parts of the letters alien just coming up really slowly teasing you. And that's what the movie does. You know, I don't think you see the xenomorph, the alien until about 30 minutes into the movie. It really, really teases you. And every time you watch the movie, you'll even seen a hundred times. You're like, oh, when does he come? It's like, is he coming out? Is he coming out? And it, and it teases you. And I, I, can't, I can't imagine what it was like. Um, for audiences in 1979 when they got to see it for the first time and i remember you can go on youtube um anybody listening out of interest you can go on youtube and you can watch the original trailer that came out in 78 or 79 and it shows no xenomorphs it feels like it's a completely different movie and it is it should still be the benchmark for how you make a movie trailer nowadays because it gives away nothing gets you super excited and um yeah, I look forward to the day if I if I ever have children to not tell them anything about this movie and put them in front of it <laughs> when when they're of a reasonable age, Alex. I know you're you're looking at me that way. Um, when they're of a reasonable age, sit them in front yeah, of this movie. Yeah, but a reasonable age just... to you might be seven <laughs> by the size of it. <laughs> it. It depends. It depends on the kid if they can take it. You know, <laughs> fair game. <laughs> but um, no, it is one of those movies that's super exciting. I actually got the chance two years ago to watch it on the big screen. Mm. and uh it was it was a great experience it it just holds up every single time and i agree with you that it is the best alien movie in the franchise um i do love aliens i think it's a great movie too um but alien is it is the it's the pinnacle of both scott's career and um and the sci-fi horror genre so great pick so those were our top five halloween films there uh hope you enjoyed our list um Again, two very different lists. Uh, mm. I, you know, maybe maybe we should do more of these. It's always quite interesting to to kind of like f- see what your mind, where your mind goes to, Chris. You know, yeah, uh, same for when, me. Yeah. When we come up with these ideas, um, 
but yeah, uh, next week, guys, we are going to be taking a little break, uh, just a one week break, uh, just just while we are busy, pretty much, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then, but don't worry, we will be back. We will be back the week after next uh, with a new episode of the Film Angle. Um, but yeah, remember to uh, to follow us on Instagram to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, and kind of share us with your friends and family and just get more people listening. So that would yeah. be great. And tell us if you've seen the movies that have been included on in our lists or if you haven't, tell us which ones you're interested to see. And if you disagree with us, uh, call us out and tell us why you hate those movies. That's uh, Any conversation is, is really appreciated. Definitely, and and tell us your top five. Um, mm. On Spotify, there's a there's a Q and A feature, so you can you can write in uh, if we pose a question, which you know we will, I'm sure, for this episode. You can write in uh, maybe your number one Halloween film. Uh, you know, get back to us and, and, and let us know. It's always uh, really interesting to find out. Um, you know, every, where everybody else's mind goes to when they think of the ultimate Halloween film. So, uh, yeah, please please do that. Uh, so I'm Alex and I'm Chris and this has been The Film Angle stay safe (laughs) happy Halloween